0: Lee Cow, Can't believe it is already December, December 8th, it's a Wednesday, man, just cruising through these days, we have not had an episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast since the middle of November, we gotta stop that, we gotta keep these rolling, my apologies, me being your host, Brandon LaChance, we gotta keep everything in Illinois, national stuff that we wanna talk about, gotta keep it flowing, gotta keep the chats going here, and we have it schedules, life, you know, it happens. But this is very important to me. I know there's a fan base that loves listening to the show. A lot of people have come on to me lately and be like, man, how come you haven't put out more shows? I explain to them, they're like, okay, but get your stuff together and let's hear some Edge of Your Seat podcast. Here we are. Let's keep it rolling. This is episode 209. Man, so, I mean, we are in 200 episodes. We've been doing these. Just got to make it more fluent, more regular keep them going hopefully you had a happy thanksgiving gobble gobble ate some turkey stuffing all the sides the fixings everything that you want i know i did i went to four different family celebrations it was amazing lots of people that love you out there make sure you see them as much as possible especially on a holiday like that lots of things to speak about first of all chicago bears This Matt Nagy situation is getting very, very, very frustrating. Week 9, lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 29-27. Should have had that game. Week 10, lose to the Baltimore Ravens, 16-13. Should have had that game. The next week, Thanksgiving, Bears barely beat the winless, well, at least at that time, winless Detroit Lions, 16-14. Then this past Sunday, get smashed. By the Cardinals, 33-22, but it wasn't even that close. It was not an 11-point game. Cardinals outmatched, out-hustled, just beat the Chicago Bears. They look awful. It's not even worth watching, and I am a diehard Bears fan. When it comes to football, all I care about is the Chicago Bears. We don't even have a product that I want to watch, and a lot of it is Matt Nagy. I guess I'm just saying this because I've heard the debate, the discussion about how he has to leave, and I haven't said my word about it. A.K.A. we haven't had Edge of Your Seat podcast out. So we got to keep doing these so I can talk about these things. Matt Nagy is awful. He had one good year. His first year. Go to the playoffs. You have the Cody Parkey field goal double doink. I think he hit the uprights like four times in the game. It was redonkulous. And that's the best he's done. Ever since then, I feel NFL teams have scouted him. Nobody's going to do. Nobody's going to run know when the Wildcats going to come in, and they stuff every one of his trick plays, and everything that he's trying to do gets nowhere. It's awful. The Bears at 4-8 and eight have 201 points scored on the season. That is the worst in the NFC. Detroit Lions, who just won their first game against the Minnesota Vikings, have 203 points. So a one-win team has two more points than the Chicago Bears. You flip over to AFC, only two teams have scored less than Chicago Bears. That's the Houston Texans at 164 and Jacksonville Jaguars at 180. They have four wins combined. So that says a lot about the defense or a little bit about the defense. They're helping us win a few games. But the offense is atrocious. Bad, bad, bad. It's clock management. It's game time decisions. It's all of it. And it's Matt Nagy. The discipline of the team is awful. The amount of penalties that we have racked up makes the Bears look very, very, very foolish. It is disgusting. Just wanted to say that, get my gripes out about being a Chicago Bears fan and trying to watch this team. It's miserable. I'm never going to change teams. I'm not going to jump a bandwagon. I'm not doing that. But I do want to see a team be competitive at least. I understand not going to the playoffs every single season. Like, I get it. It doesn't happen to every team. But this, this season is atrocious. Well, now that we got that out of the way, this show, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. This is episode 209. already said that, but didn't drop the guest. We have Ski Hartman, Shimmer Mendota Ford, general manager. He does everything out of that shop. He is the man, has a great staff as well. Awesome to talk to him. We try to have him on here as much as possible to discuss his loves, wrestling, football. He's a coach. He does a little bit of everything. He's a really good dude. Glad to have him on. The main event is Matt McDonald, former assistant baseball coach for Hall in Spring Valley. And he is moving on to Blackhawk College to teach them the game. He played for Princeton in the 90s. And then went on to the MLB farm system and played some ball there. Great guy, knows his sport, has a love for it, a passion, and he shares it with everybody he talks to. He's got great stories, and we're glad that he came and shared them with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I've already said the name quite a few times. Maybe you don't know where to listen to it. If somebody shared you this link and you want to listen to more, you can listen to every single one of the previous 208 episodes and, of course, this one. On Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website rss.com, backslash podcast. That's with an S, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your P. You know somebody who'd be a good guest? You want to be a good guest? You want to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast? You have any questions, suggestions, send us an email. Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, we got to give a shout out to the mastermind behind the intro and outro of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. That, of course, is Brian Cavalli. Looking at Wednesday's slate of games that happen in the area, lots of basketball going on, lots and lots of basketball going on. I love it. I love it. It's probably my favorite sport. Love to talk about them all, but prep hoops is heating up school Fieldcrest crest lady knights the eighth grade team won their sectional and are headed to the iesa state tournament congratulations to the lady knights that's amazing hopefully they do some big things and i got nothing but faith in them flipping over to varsity boys basketball the Kimoni, the camoni classic has been going on in spring valley at hall one of the best holiday tournaments ever and especially for this area The teams that are in it are all the teams that you want to watch, really. I mean, you got Mendota, Marquette, Princeton, LaSalle, Peru, Pontiac, Rock Falls, Putnam County, St. Bede, Hall, Fieldcrest, Burrow Valley, and Stillman Valley. The only two teams on here that we don't really cover or follow with Edge of Your Seat Podcast is Rock Falls and Stillman Valley. And that's not because they're not good teams. That's because they're a little distance. Rock Falls has won this recently. In the finals a couple of times when they didn't win. Stillman Valley is like a powerhouse in every sport. They got a great mix of teams here and it has been an awesome tournament. The last couple years after they revamped it and made it local teams, tons of tons of fun. So after the first few days of play, we are now out of pool play. We have the crossover games to decide where we're going to be at for the championship. The third place game, the fifth place game, so on and so on and so on. So Thursday, you're going to see Putnam County versus St. Bede, Hall versus Fieldcrest. Burrow Valley versus Stillman Valley. On Friday, we're going to see Marquette versus Mendota. Rock Falls versus Princeton. And Pontiac versus LP, LaSalle, Peru. So some great games coming up. And then when we get down to the championship, man, always, always a huge deal. Before we jump into the Rest of the program we got here with high school football and some fall sports. Wrapping those up as postseasons are over and obviously into the basketball, wrestling, those seasons, bowling as well. I want to talk about something that happened last Thursday outside of sports. I'm a huge music guy, mostly hip-hop and rap. We had a versus battle between Bone thugs and harmony and 3-6 Mafia. I was expecting... An amazing show. And that's what we got. A little bit of everything. We got some fights. As Gangster Boo called out Busy Bone. Busy Bone throws a water bottle at her. Starts getting crunk. Juicy J starts throwing punches. I don't think he landed anything. That was insane. Then Gangster Boo is like, hey, you need to get back on your pills and that you killed Bone's career because he does have mental issues. Man, it just got real crazy, real fast. But then we got back to the music, the celebration. The amount of cameos, special guests that came out there was insane. 36 Mafia had Lil Wayne, who is my guy. That's like my number one rapper ever. Terrence Howard, the actor from Hustle & Flow. that had that Grammy award winning song. Project Pat was there, of course. Why wouldn't he be? La Chat, another one. Why wouldn't she be there? Brought out Lil Flip. Hadn't seen him or heard of him in quite a bit. That was amazing. You flip over to Bone Thugs-In-Harmony, they brought out Chamillionaire, Shatasa Williams, that epic voice, and Thuggish Ruggish Bone, and Easy e Son. It was just really cool, the way they put everything together. The fight, I guess, didn't really deter me. It just seemed like it was gonna happen in a show like this. I didn't think the battle was kind of fair. I mean, if you look at their music, their catalogs, Bone thugs and harmony is grace. Elegant, harmonic, even though they got songs like Mo Murda" and they're talking about being gangsters, it's rhythmic. It's kind of hypnotic almost. And these are songs being played on the radio nationwide, worldwide when they came out, mostly in the 90s. Three six Mafia is hit you in your face, tear the club up, let's get Buck songs. This is called verses. It's a battle which one do you think's going to win a harmonic group that flows together? And then it's talking about look into my eyes. Tell me what you see or some banging beats that are like, Hey, I'm going to hit you in your face. Let's fight in a battle in that situation. The hit you in your face style is going to win every time. And that's what happened. It was great to see everybody out there, man, made me go back in memories to my childhood College hood, <laughs> all that good stuff. So it was really cool to see. Hopefully, they keep these verses battles rolling, but they also got a problem where everybody is showing up drunk or high. Everybody. Crazy Bone, love him to death. Probably my favorite one of Bone Thugs and Harmony. He was smashed before it even started. They had to keep giving him bottled water so he could get back in it. And he did at the end, he did some flows and did his verses. But the very beginning, actually, towards the middle of it, They were cutting off his verses and not even letting him try because he was drunk. They got to stop that. I know we all like to party. We all like to have a good time. But this is also for the music. It's for the culture, as they continue to say, which I agree. So why don't you put that first? Party later. Okay, got that out of the way. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Shimmer Mendota Ford. And then let's get to some more sports talk. Episode 209 is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff of general manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranek, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle, they want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranek is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. And we'll hear from Ski Hartman in just a bit to get some more info about Shimmer Mendota Ford and his love for sports, including football. Well, just said the word football. Let's roll with it. November 27th and 28th saw the IHSA Football championship games take place. Man, what a great time of the year. Great events. 1A through 8A, so 8 championship games. And we had some massive meetings. All these teams are amazing. Great football teams. Great football games. It just all seemed to cap a season that was amazing after having the COVID season where there wasn't a postseason. And just to bring everything back and the love for high school football, it was amazing. I was doing broadcasts for WAJK and WLPO all season long, covering LaSalle, Peru, Hall, Princeton, and all the teams that they played. So I saw Ottawa. I saw Caneland. I saw Prairie Central. I saw Burrow Valley. I saw Sterling Newman. saw Morris. Just saw a lot of awesome football, a lot of programs that we cover here. So let's not really break down the games, but go over them real quick. And I jotted down the coaches' records, because if you look at the coaches for almost every single one of these teams, the 16 teams that were in these championship games, we're talking about resumes. So you do not get to the state championship game without a great coach. It shows. It shows in this right here. In the 1A game, it was Lena Winslow versus Carlton. Lena Winslow took it, 38-25. Rick Arend has been the coach since 1997. Coming into this game, he already had four state championships in 10, 13, 17, and 19. Now he adds another one. That's five state championships for Lena Winslow and the coach, Rick Earned. Wow. Well, like, that is insane for one program to have that amount of success. And in the last 11 years, five championships. He's almost half championships of the years since then. That's crazy. What's even more nuts is they have not missed the playoffs since 1999. Every single year, Lena Winslow is there. Nick Flowers has been the coach at Carleton since 2004. Finished runner-up in 2014, and they've been in the postseason for the last 11 years, starting in 2010. 2A championship game saw Wilmington versus Nashville. Wilmington got the 24-7 victory to win the 2A state championship. For Wilmington, Jeff Reince has been with the program since 1994. In 2003, finished second, the runner-up spot. And they won a state championship in 2014 with a 14-0 undefeated record. Wilmington has been in the postseason every single year since 1997. 1997. I was 12. I'm now 36. That's crazy. For Nashville, Stefan Kazuzek has been coaching since 2017, at least the head coach. In 19, runner-up spot, finished second. Been in the postseason, 18 and 19, and now, of course, 21. 20 doesn't count. That's the COVID year. So a new coach, but already showing that he can get the job done. Two runner-up spots and five years of coaching. We'll say four. 3A, Byron versus Toledo Unity. Byron got the W. Big dominant win for them, 35-7. Jeff Boyer is a great coach for the Byron Tigers. Heads up. He will be on this very podcast coming up. We already spoke. Great interview. Great chat. Pumped up about the Byron Tigers. And he should be. He's been the coach since 2012. Two runner-up spots in 1819. Then you have the COVID year in 2020. Comes back in 2021. Gets that first state championship. I know he's proud. The Tigers should be proud. The whole community. They're a football powerhouse at this point. In the last three state championships, they've been in the championship game. Let's see how long they can keep that going. And see if they can keep their postseason run going as they've been in the postseason since 2014. For unity, Scott Hamilton has been in charge since 1994. Listen to this. Finished second in 2005, 05, 09, 12, and 15. And now 21. He's got six runner-up spots. As a head coach. And since 1997, they've been in every postseason except 2018. That's a coach. Even though he hasn't won a state championship, to take your team to six of them? Eeeh. It's like the Buffalo Bills of the 90s. 4A. Joliet Catholic first. Sacred Heart Griffin. Joliet Catholic got the win. 56-27. That's like a basketball score in high school. Jake Jarowski Been there since 17 as the head coach, state championship in 18, was in the postseason in 19, didn't make it that far, COVID year, and then wins another state championship. So in four years, two state championships in three seasons, impressive. Ken Leonard has been with Sacred Hard Griffin since 1984. That's a year before I was born, 37 years. He has five state championships, And 5, 6, 2008, 13, and 14, and two runner-up spots in 95, 03, and actually will throw in a third with this one in 2021. That dude's a Hall of Famer. No doubt. Fenwick of Oak Park versus Kankakee was the 5A state championship. Fenwick got the W with a 34-15. Take that state plaque, that banner, represent the school to the fullest, Matt Beleglia has coached 2020 and 2021, so a new coach, and has records of 3-2 in the COVID year and then 11-2 championship run. So he takes a 3-2 team in a shortened year, expands it to 11 wins, and gets a state championship. Derek Hart for Kankakee has only been coaching since 2019, at least at this school, made the playoffs in nineteen. Makes him in 2021 and goes away with a second-place finish. He's going to be one to look out for. Same thing with Badaglia. They're going to be around for a long time. 6A, Kerry Grove versus East St. Louis. Kerry Grove squeaks by 37-36 for the state championship. Brad Seberg, been with the program as the head coach since 2011. Had a state championship in 18. Runner-up in 12 and 14. So two state championships now, two runner-up spots, and only been in the head coach for 10 years. Has made the postseason each one of those. For East St. Louis, Darren Sunkit has been there since 2000. Won state championships in 08, 16, 19, and now this runner-up. And then since 2000, that's 21 seasons. Well, 20 at take away the COVID year. I hate that I got to keep saying COVID here. Blah. But he's been in every single postseason except 2015. 7A, Wheaton North versus Chicago St. Rita. Wheaton North wins it, 35-6. Same thing with the coaches. I hope you're seeing why I did this. You got to have a great coach to get to this level. We're always saying, oh, it's the talent, the athletes. Yeah, yeah. You know, these schools have talent. They have athletes. They have football players. But they also have coaches that know how to game manage, how to manage their athletes, and how to put it all together. So we got to celebrate them too. For Wheaton North, Joel Wardinsky has been there since 2008. Has made the playoffs from 2008 to 13, and then 17. He gets there in 21. And is like, hey, we got to end this. Let's get a state championship. Todd Kuska. The coach for Chicago St. Rita has been with the program since 1998, or at least the head coach of the program. State championship in 06, runner-up spot in 19, and another one in 2021. So he's been in the state championship three times and has been in the playoffs 19 times. Lots of schools haven't been in the postseason 18 times altogether through the entirety of their program, let alone one coach. And last, but obviously not least, the biggest, actually. 8A, Lockport versus Maine South, which is Park Ridge. Lockport wins 24-6. George Sart is the coach for Lockport. He's been with the program only since 2019. His first trip to the playoffs with this team, but he did have seven playoff runs with Lincoln Way North before he came over, a qualified, established coach. For Maine South, David and Sura has been with the team since 2001, has won state championships, four of them, 08, 09, 10, and 16, Was second in 03, 04, 0, and 05, a three-year run of second-place finishes, finished third in 01 and 17. So if you add this year, he's got four state championships, four runner-ups, and two third-place, and has been in the postseason every single year for 20 seasons. That is crazy. Congratulations to all the teams that won state championships. And congratulations to these coaches. Year in, year out, busting their butt, watching film, teaching, coaching, going to games, practices. That commitment, that devotion to make these powerhouses, powerhouses. We got some golf to talk about. want to break down boys and girls. State golf. Actually, the whole postseason run. Let's go regionals, sectionals, and the state tournaments. But before we do that, let's get a word from a sponsor. Mike's Pro Shop and Sales. Because we as humans are aliens. Well, I know some of you are aliens for sure. But anyway, we like to be clean at all times. Had to stay fresh, smelling good, looking good, teeth shiny, hair did, all the works. Well, your car is the same way. It can't be filthy. Fungus growing in the back seat, six layers of dust on the dash, coffee stains on the floorboard. No way. Mike's Pro Shop and Sales, located at 204 South Spaulding Street in Spring Valley, will give your car the scrubber-rub-dub it means and deserves. Mike's disinfects to prevent sickness or the start of another pandemic. Cleans get those tough places to reach where all the dirt and grime sits. Mike's rust proof so your vehicle stays whole free and has no structural issues. Mike's cares for fabric. Extremely important if you have kids spilling everything they touch. Mike's makes the splat of the long drop from the kid past the car seat to the fabric disappear. It's also a full body shop and can tend to most automobile needs. And Mike's is now offering pickup and delivery services. Contact Mike's Pro Shop and Sales to schedule a pedicure, manicure, and a freshening up of your vehicle at 815-663-2060 or via email at Mike's Pro Shop 204, that's a zero, 204, at gmail.com. Let's start with some girls golf. In Class 1A, the top three teams and top 10 individual performers got out of regionals and sectionals, and that was all the way through from 1A to 3A, not just 1A. For the girls, the regionals were September 30th, almost two months ago, but it just seems like it was yesterday. I love paying attention to golf and watching the tweets and talking to them as I see them around and getting the vibe of the greens and how they love the sport. I was never a golfer, never understood the importance of it, but obviously these kids do and picked up on it real quick. At the Class 1A Galena Regional, Byron and Oregon tied for fourth at 381, Unfortunately, both missing a team berth into the sectional. But individually, Oregon's Ava Hackman had an 87. Byron's Shannon McHale had a 91. And Byron's Ava Kultgen had a 92, all advancing. At the IVC Regional, Roanoke Benson was 10th with a 415. Fieldcrest was 12th with a 462. At the Trinity Regional, Hinkley Big Rock was 8th with a 4.08. Advancing though was Sammy Curlin with a 90. At the Ullman Regional, Geneseo finished 2nd with a 3.43 and St. Bede was 3rd with a 3.51 to advance his teams. Geneseo's best golfer was Keely Nugent with a 80 and St. Bede's Aliana Mendoza had a 76 to lead them. Kiwani was 5th with a 3.75 to miss the cut to sectional. Advancing individuals, Kiwani's Maya Marocha had a 70, Dixon's Katie Drew a 76, and Newman's Ashley Weirman an 88. The Seneca Regional, Pontiac won with a 362, Seneca was second with a 414, and Sandwich was third with a 422. Three teams that we pay attention to, 1, 2, and 3, to take... The whole team, the whole squad, to the sectional. For Pontiac, Danny Schrock led with a 74. Seneca's Riley Stenzel had a 78 to lead them, the Fighting Irish. In Sandwich's Elijah Campbell had an 85. Plano finished 6th as a team with a 453. Dwight was 7th with a 467. And Earlville was 8th with a 503. Indian Creek ninth with a 530. Advancing individuals, Plano's Faith Malloy, an 88. Ella McDowell from Morris, had a 95. Kendall Welter from Dwight, a 96. Ottawa Marquette's Caitlin Magana, had a 99. Kendall Floodstrom from Plano, had a 106. The sectionals took place on October 4th. Again, three teams, 10 individuals, not on an advancing team, move on to the state tournament. At the Aurora Central Catholic sectional, Pontiac finished fifth with a 363, Seneca was eighth with a 396, and Sandwich with a 399 was 9th. So none of the teams advanced, but there were three individuals that moved on to state. Pontiac's Danny Schrock had a 72, Riley Stenzel from Seneca had a 74, and Faith Malloy from Plano an 83. The Geneseo sectional. Geneseo was fourth with a 353. St. Bede with a 404 finished 10th. The individuals moving out of it were Oregon's Ava Hackman with a 79, Geneseo's Keely Nugent with an 81, and Dixon's Katie Drew with an 81. Then, the Big Bad State tournament was October 8th and 9th at the Hickory Point Golf Course in Decatur. Danny Schrock from Pontiac finished second with a 141. Give her a a clap. Finishing second at the state tournament. Whew, that's amazing for Danny. Good stuff. Riley Stenzo from Seneca finished 19th with a 156. Katie Drew from Dixon was 29th with a 163. With a 168, Oregon's Ava Hackman was 41st. And Geneseo's Keely Nugent was 44th with a 169. Let's move to 2A again, September 30th. And the same thing, three teams, 10 individuals, not on an advancing team, move on to the sectionals and then to state. The Joliet Central 2A Regional. Ottawa was 8th with a 387 and LaSalle, Peru was 9th with a 401. However, both the Lady Pirates and the Lady Cavaliers had an advancer, as Zoe Harris from Ottawa had an 82, and Grace Antle from LaSalle, Peru had an 89 to move on to sectional. At the Harlem Mackenzie Park Regional, Sycamore just missed a top three spot to move on to the sectional as they finished fourth with a 407. Sterling with a 464 was eighth. However, there was plenty of advancing individuals that we care about. Uh, we care about them all, but that we are going to say their name. These were the ones. Sycamore's Brianna Shalman, a 79. Sterling's Maddie Pink, an 88. Sycamore's Lauren Kahn, a 92. DeKalb's Alex Morrow, a 94. Also from DeKalb, Elena Swalford, a 94. And Jocelyn Johnson from Sterling, a 99. Moving on to sectionals. 2A, Belvedere, October 4. No teams advanced, but... Sycamore's Brianna Shulman, a 74, and Maddie Pink from Sterling, a 79. They qualified for state. Congratulations to both. 2A Washington sectional. Ottawa's Zoe Harris had a 90, and LP's Grace Antle had a 94, both missing the cut for the state tournament. At the 2A state meet at Hickory Point Golf Course in Decatur, 1A, 2A, 3A, all the same day, same time. They all figure it out. T times. It's amazing how these athletic directors and they just put it together. They just make it work. Brianna Shalman from Sycamore had a 170 to finish 71st, and Maddie Pink from Sterling was 79th at the state meet with a 174. Of course, that is a two-day total. Congratulations to all the golfers. It's an amazing sport. I give credit to everything they do. I will never be as good as them, even though I just started trying to play this summer. They're amazing. Every single one of them, to get to this level, state tournaments, sectionals, that says a lot about them and the dedication they have for the sport. One of Edge of Your Seat Podcast's newest sponsors, HC Detailing. Driving around rural Illinois can be taxing on the eyes. On boredom. I mean, there's only so many things to look at. Your eyes get tired, your brain gets tired, wants to move on. But of course, there's also the vehicle itself. Dust, bugs, weather elements such as snow and ice, all take a toll on the beauty and the longevity of your ride. But that's just the outside. What about the mud dragged onto your back seat by your teenage son who's still playing backyard football in December? Or what about the salt from sidewalks and parking lots businesses put on their property right before you and your daughter go shopping. It can all make your car filthy and look dirty, dingy. That's where HC Detailing comes in. Located at 1204 6th Avenue, AKA Route 34 in Mendota, HC Detailing and owner Horatio Casas will race all of the weather elements and grime to keep your car looking like it just came off the showroom, even in the heart of the winter. Maybe you find a way to keep your vehicle clean. But you hear a loud, louder, and the loudest noise coming from your muffler. Maybe you hear your brakes grinding and it's time for some new pads before it eats away and the rotors are next up. HC detailing doubles as Mendota muffler and brakes. In essence, you have your car cleaned, detailed and beautified and have your brakes, muffler, suspension, tires fixed or replaced at the same place. It's amazing. For HC detailing and Mendota muffler and brakes, great services. Call 815-252-9518 or email HCH1680 at yahoo.com. Let's hop over to the boys side of the green, some boys golf, regional sectionals, and the state meet. Same as the girls, top three teams and the top 10 individuals not on one of those three teams advanced to the next round. For the Elgin Academy Regional, Byron won it all with a 323. Not only does Byron have a great football team, but also a great boys' golf team. On that Byron team was Aaron Lorenz, had a 79, Mason Brandt, a 79, Davis Baker, an 83, Charlie Machon, a 95, and Weston Harrell a 101. Other teams at the regional. Hinkley Big Rock had a 352 for 8th. Oregon was 12th with a 420. Individuals from Hinkley Big Rock advancing were Elliot McGuire with an 80 and Richard Hinsky with an 84. At the Galva regional, Henry Sinanchuan was 10th with a 394, Midland 13th with a 425. At the Riverdale Regional, Newman advances to the sectional as a team with a 332 for second place. Hall finished fourth with a 346. St. Bede was fifth for a 347. Amboy was sixth with a 348. Newark had 354 for seventh. Borough Valley had a 362 for ninth. Putnam County was 10th with a 378. Earlville was 12th with a 431. And Indian Creek shot a 434. 4-13. 4-13. Newman's sectional advancing team consisted of Ty Brockman's ninety five, Logan Palmer's eighty one, Kyle Wolf's eighty one, Jacob Donald had an eighty four, and Carson Palmer shot an eighty six. Individuals not on an advancing team that advanced: Hayden Whitnauer from Amboy had an eighty two. Also from Amboy, Wesley Wilson had an eighty two. Halls Grant Plim an eighty five. St. Bede's Jake Delaney, a 76. Hall freshman Landon Plym had a 77. Newark's Camden Figgins, an 80. Brendan Pillion from St. Bede, an 85. And from Newark, Dylan Cartwright, an 81. At the Seneca Regional, tied for second and advancing was Roanoke Benson with a 341. They tied with Prairie Central. Seneca was fourth with a 346. Dwight was 6th with a 361. Fieldcrest with a 373 was 8th. And Marquette with a 428 finished 11th. Roanoke Benson's DJ Norman had a 75. Luke Sauter an 82. Dexter Hodel an 88. And Drew Garrels a 96. Individuals advancing not on an advancing team. Seneca's Noah Quigley had a 78. Fieldcrest's Lucas Bernardi an 83. Dane Helpin from Dwight in 85. Seneca's Owen Quigley, who is Noah Quigley's twin brother, had an 87. And Dwight's Jake Groves, in 88. I did speak to Noah Quigley and actually Riley Stenzel for a story for the paper out of Dwight. Seneca had some great golfers this year. And Noah was really, really excited that him and his brother Owen made it to the sectional. Let's move on to the sectionals, actually. The One A Beecher Sectional. Roanoke Benson finished sixth with a three fifty one, advancing as individuals. The just mentioned Noah Quigley out of Seneca went on to state with an eighty one. Fortunately for Owen, didn't get to join his brother. Roanoke Benson's D J Norman shot a seventy eight, and Lucas Bernardi from Fieldcrest in eighty two. All three moving on to state. The Byron Sectional. Byron was fourth with a three thirty three. Newman and Rockford Christian tied for fifth with a 337. Four individuals made it out as Byron's Brayden Baker had a 76. Newman's Jacob Donald had a 79. St. Bede's Jake Delaney and Newman's Kyle Wolf all had 79s. So a 76 from Baker and three 79s made it out of the sectional and into state. At the state meet for the boys, which is at... The Prairie Vista Golf Course in Bloomington. If you've never been there or never played there, it is absolutely fantastic. I have not played there. Definitely been there. It is amazing. For Roanoke Benson, DJ Norman was the best local finisher as he was fifth. Four-way tie for fifth with a 150. He shot a 75 and a 74 to get his 150. Congratulations again. A top five finish. At the state meet, state tournament. That's amazing. Kyle Wolf from Newman was ninth, also top ten. Perfect. Shot a 151 as he had a 75 and a 76. Again, this is a two day event. Can't have all this awesomeness in one day. Wolf's teammate at Newman, Jacob Donald, was 41st with a 160. St. Bede's Jake Delaney was 51st with a 163. Byron's Braden Baker was 79th with a 174. In the first round, Noah Quigley shot an 86 and Lucas Bernardi shot a 91. They did not make the round two cut. But don't worry, getting to that state meet is epic. They have nothing to be ashamed of. Class 2A, let's start with the regionals. We'll go Kiwani regional. Geneseo advances to the sectional with a second place finish of 328. Princeton shot a 372 for sixth. Kiwani was seventh with a 376. For the Geneseo team that advanced to sectional, Mason Steinert had a 78. Bryson Van Hoot in 81. Hayden Moore in 84. Tat Hager in 85. Thomas Henson in 89. And Samuel Robinson in 94. Advancing as individuals, Kiwani's Chaz Pede, a 78. Princeton's Jaden Eagers, an 88. And Kiwani's Emmett Brokaw, an 89. The 2A Lamont Regional, Morris advances with a third place finish of 328. And Cole City was seventh with a 358. For Morris, Nathan Hawk a 77. Joey Lanahan, an 83. Brennan Johnson also had an 83. Liam Eber, an 85. Chris Harris, a 90. And Drew Larson, a 91. Individuals advancing from Cole City. Dylan Brown had an 81. And Rylan McGeary had an 84. The 2A Ottawa Regional saw a lot of familiar teams and faces. Ottawa won it with a 299. LaSalle Pru was second with a 315, and Dixon third with a 318. All three advance to the sectional. Mendota was fifth with a 342, Streeter sixth with a 345, and Sterling was eighth with a 358. For the Pirates, they had the medalist, the regional champ of the individuals, Drake Kaufman, who shot a 71. Jonathan Cooper, his teammate, was one stroke behind him with a 72. Drake Stout had a 75, Seth Cooper had a 81, Alex Billings an 84, and Chandler Creedon a 96. For LaSalle Peru, Carter Fenza and Coleman Rundle, a 74. Connor Normachik, an 81, John Meloda, an 86, Caden Valenzuela, a 90, and Noah Wrightgraf a 94. For Dixon, Mason Weagle, a 78. Alex Harrison, a 79. Sage Akvi, an 80. Stephen Keatsman an 81. Ben Oros, a 92. And Grant Jacobs, a 96. Individuals advancing. Mendota's Ethan Hanneman, had a 76. Owen Augenbaugh, also from Mendota, an 85. From Streeter, Cooper Wall, a 79. And Dane Winterrod, an 86. And from Sterling... Dale Greedy and 86. We'll just, gotta pause right there. We'll do a little drum roll for the name of the game on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Try to pick out the best name, whether it's just cool, interesting, difficult to say, because some of them can be tongue twisters, just a pure name that looks like an athlete, sounds like an athlete. You know, whatever we choose, just a great name. We just hit it with Streeter's Dane Winter Rod. You got Winter in your name. You live in Northern Illinois. It's winter. It's going to snow. It's Christmas right around the corner. Why wouldn't you want to have a name like Winter Rod? I love it. It's beautiful. Do a drum roll to exit out of that. And let's get back to regionals. Rantoul Regional Class 2A. Pontiac was fifth with a 334. The individuals advancing. Obviously, both from Pontiac, that was the only team at the Rantoul Regional that we pay attention to. Hunter Trainer had a 73, Peyton Cheek a 78. At the Sandwich Regional, Sycamore just missed the cut by two strokes for third place. They finished fourth with a 354. Sandwich was sixth with a 381. Plano seventh with a 396. And Rochelle was eighth with a 422. Individuals advancing: Rochelle's Griffin Olinger with an 84, Sycamore, pretty much had their whole team. Nick Zerko 88, Ryan Polly an 88, Matthew Lose, an 88, David Beatty a 90, and Luther Swedberg a 93. Plano's Mason accidentally a 93. Let's take another brief moment for a word with our sponsors. It's not easy to shop nowadays store shopping is non-existent, or it's a chore to get to a store. Online shopping is where it's at. But What sites do you go to? Which sites are spam? Are you really going to get an item? Or did you just donate money? Which sites have the best deals? Sisters slaying codes and saving you loads makes the headache of shopping much easier and cheaper. The Sisters, owners Tanya and Cassie Milis, find limited time deals or coupon codes and share them on their Facebook page, sisters slinging codes and saving you loads. If there's something you're searching for, send them a message and they'll find it for you. They've already partnered with Amazon and plan to add many more partnerships for the best deals on all items. Through Amazon, Amazon Prime will be needed to purchase an item. But if you don't have it, no worries. The sisters will send you a link for a free 30 day trial period so you can get the items you can't live without. To get this great service, Follow the Sisters Slanging Codes and Saving You Loads Facebook page to save you money and easily find all the items you're looking for or even the items that catch the eye. Any additional questions, send the Sisters a message on Facebook or an email to tccsbusiness19 at gmail.com. Boys Golf, still talking sectionals. The 2A Brother Rice sectional that is in Chicago. Morris finished 12th with a 349. No advancer. The 2A Metamora sectional. Geneseo was ninth with a 336. Advancing individuals, both from Pontiac. Peyton Cheek had a 76. Hunter Trainer a 77. The Class 2A Sycamore sectional. Ottawa was 2nd with a 314 to take the whole team to state. The entire team went to state for Ottawa. Had to say that again because that is awesome. Dixon finished 11th with a 348. LaSalle Peru was 13th with a 360. And Sycamore had a 384 for 14th. For Ottawa, Drake Kaufman. One shot shy of being the medalist once again with a 72. Jonathan Cooper had a 78. Seth Cooper an 81. Drake Stout an 83. And Chandler Creedon a 90. Individual advancing was Dixon, Steven Kitzman with a 78. That brings us to the 2A state meet, also in Bloomington at the Prairie Vista Golf Course. Jake Kaufman finishes his stellar season with an 11th place spot with a 146. Had a 71 on the first day and then came back for round two with a 75. Pontiac's Peyton Cheek had a 153 for 31st. Drake Stout. From Ottawa was 46 with a 156. Pontiac's Hunter Trainer had a 158 for 61st. The last four are all from Ottawa as Jonathan Cooper had a 160 for 65th. Seth Cooper was 84th with a 179. Chandler Creedon finished 87th with a 186, and Alex Billing had a 187 to finish 88th. Dixon Stephen Kitzman did not. Advanced to round two as he had an 87 in round one. Congratulations to all of them. Great golf. Great golf. I'm thinking that maybe I need to contact them to see if I can get some golf lessons. I'm probably going to do that. Why not? It is getting cold. We've already said November, December. Unfortunately, keywords of this podcast. Because it's that time. Fall sports are over. It's winter. It's cold. That's just how it is. Things change kind of hard to do stuff. It's difficult to make improvements on your home in the winter. Too cold to work outside. But Olsen Construction is still here. They'll still do things for you. Maybe not outside. They're not going to climb your roof when it's ice cold and they could slide and hurt themselves. Nobody wants to get hurt, especially when you're trying to do a good deed and fix things. Don't want to break yourself. But inside, working on stairs, fixing tiling, making adjustments to the inside of your home. Olson Construction can do that all year long, including November, December, January, February, in the bitter cold of Illinois. Olson Construction is a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Not only do brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the skills to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate, it's time for the Pergoleta. But they also have the experience of more than 10 years to take care of your home renovations from blueprint to completion with your thoughts, opinions, and wishes taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982, check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook, or send an email to olsenconstruction 19 at gmail.com. Few things I want to talk about, and then we got to get to our guests. Ski Hartman, Matt McDonald, two great dudes, have a lot of awesome things to talk about. A couple other great dudes we got to talk about Tom Patak, longtime basketball coach, was a St. Beat assistant for the girls squad forever, with Tom McGonagall as the head coach. Then went on to IVCC as a women's coach and did a lot of amazing work with them. some fantastic seasons that I was fortunate to cover with the Lady Eagles. Tom Patek is back in coaching mode with St. Bede as he is now the interim head coach for the St. Bede girls basketball team. Great dude. Great coach knows the sport super well. He's funny. He is a really, really great dude to help these kids not only on the basketball court, but in life in general Tom attack, I'm sure, was welcomed back with open arms. I'm sure as soon as they needed somebody to, to come in and help the Lady Bruins, he was going to get the call, and he accepted. Great to hear that he's back in the coaching world because he needs to be. Had to give shout-outs to a couple volleyball programs, junior college style. Parkland, the national champs. Amazing, amazing season for them on the JUCO level. And then Sock Valley finishes fifth. Great, great seasons. It was awesome, awesome, awesome to see that they were able to end it like that. While we're doing shoutouts, talking about amazing people, Nick Guarini was the Hall football coach for the last two years, the COVID year, then this year. Had to step away. Got promoted in his job. Schedule didn't work out. Something had to go, and unfortunately, it was football. Speaking with Nick Guarini the last two seasons and especially this season with doing radio broadcasts for WAJK, focused on Hall, the Red Devils football program. Got to know Nick pretty well. He is a great dude, knows his sport. I know he does not want to leave and not be there. But sometimes we gotta make tough decisions. Decisions you just don't wanna do. And he had to. It's sad, and I keep kind of saying the same thing, but I, it, it's sad when you see somebody that you you know you like talking to and like seeing what they do and they step away, but I know it's for his best interest, and I hope him wish him the best of all of his future endeavors. Also, Pat Beals been on here a couple times. Good, great friend of mine. We went to an NIU women's basketball game on Sunday, November twenty eighth, and got to see a victory, a pretty dominant victory. Actually, the Huskies defeated University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, sixty 69- nine. To 50. It was pretty awesome. Asia Davis had a double dub. I think she had like 17 points and at least 13 rebounds. Just was amazing. Pat Beals and I went to a game right before COVID happened in 2020. And she was okay then? Like she was okay. Now she's give her the ball in the paint. She's got footwork, she makes some moves, and she gets the job done. It was a lot of fun to watch her do her thing. One last thing. The movement of college football coaches in the middle of the season is ridiculous. Brian Kelly goes from Notre Dame to LSU. Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to USC. Like seriously, your team's not even done playing and you're just going to bail on them? Because you didn't have the season you wanted to because you're not in the final four for the playoffs? So you just bail? That's ridiculous. And for colleges to put these jobs up like that, at this spot. Like, come on, man. Put an intern if there's a, a, somebody leaves. So if somebody leaves, you fire somebody, you know, something like that. Put an interim coach in, wait till the end of the season. Bump up an assistant coach that's been with the program, probably knows a lot of the kids better than the head coach. But don't readjust the whole entire lining of college football when it's not even done. It's ridiculous. And one of the worst things that I've seen in quite a, quite a while, quite a while, should not be making moves in the middle of a season. Not like that. Well, that's it for episode 209, at least the intro version. We got Ski Hartman. We got Matt McDonald. Let's get to them. Edge of Your Seat Podcast is here. We love and appreciate all the support and sticking with us and being patient as we're going through some things, making some adjustments to make these shows happen. So until next time, peace. Talk to this guy in a little bit. Gotta have him back on. Our guy, Steve Hartman. What's going on, my friend?
1: Nothing. Just another wonderful day.
0: Yeah, definitely. And another wonderful episode of Education Podcast. On your way home from Mendota to Princeton. Man, you ever get sick of that drive or are you used to it by now? Uh,
1: it's been a year now, so, I'm getting used to it. So, uh, thing about working at Shimmer Dota Ford is they give me a car to drive so I get to drive different cars all the time so that kind of breaks up with the monotony a little bit so like right now I'm driving one of the new Ford Broncos that just came out so it doesn't get much cooler than that.
0: No not at all what is cool about this Ford Bronco?
1: Well they're like you now they're like impossible to get we have people that have been waiting two years for them um my office manager trisha has been waiting two years for hers i should be here this month or next month We got a a red four-door in, and I sold it the first day it was there, but it's got to sit on my lot for six months, so I have a customer that bought it that can't take possession of it for six months. Same way with the one I'm driving tonight, I'm taking it home to Princeton to show it to a customer of mine, a friend of mine from Princeton, that might purchase it and have to do the same thing. It's got to sit on my lot for six months, but it is very nice to look at. They're a lot of fun to drive. Ford really did a good job. With these Broncos. I've never been a Jeep fan at all. I thought they were, they rode rough, they were uncomfortable, and these Broncos, they are smooth riding, um, very comfortable. Being a family man, I'd have to have the four-door, but this two-door is pretty cool, too, so.
0: So the Bronco is a unicorn at Sherman Mendota Ford. So if you see it, you gotta grab it as soon as you can
1: at any Ford dealership. They're really, really hard to find. Well, with COVID and stuff, all the productions are down. Ford ordered, uh, I, I think they said somewhere in the words of, like, 100,000 hardtops and all came in bad. So, they had to get new ones made, and and so that delayed everything, and then put the chip shortage and all that stuff. It's, I mean, it's, it's been rough. I mean, I have no new vehicles on my lot besides these two Broncos, so I really have nothing on my lot for sale. Uh, I got four vehicles in last week, and they all sold within three days, and that's just kind of how it's coming. So everything's either pre-order, pre-sold,
0: or sells like the first or second day you get it. So it's kind of got its good things and its bad things, because yeah, you want more vehicles, but you're selling them really quickly. Yeah.
1: More, we'd sell more too, so it's kind of a catch twenty two there. But I mean, Ford's Ford's doing everything they can to get get their cars out as fast
0: as they can without sacrificing the quality and everything like that too. So, so the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic strikes again, hit us all hard, especially the car industry.
1: It's done a wonder for the car industry because, like you said, the plants were shut down and couldn't get product from across seas and everything like that. Um, we've been pretty fortunate. I get, um, I've i got a really good selection of used vehicles, so that, that kind of gets us through right now because, like you said, not having any new on the lot, you got to fill the lot up with stuff, and I've got had a really good selection of all different types of used vehicles nicely equipped and uh little miles stuff like that kind
0: of stuff for everybody's budget definitely i mean i think we did this last time where i just had you do the ad you might as well do the ad right now if you want to give a plug out to Shimmy mendota ford
1: my name is Keith Harman, I'm the general manager of Shimmer Mendota Ford. Just wanted to let you know we're a community dealership that's here for you with our friendly staff staff, sales, service parts. We'll do everything in our power to help you guys get the vehicle that you need, the financing that you need, the accessories you need, and take care of you after the sale as far as your service and anything like that. We don't want to just sell you one car, we want to sell you, your family, your friends, every car from here on out. So we pride ourselves and making sure that we give you the greatest service so that you go tell everybody else how great it was. Plus, we have the referral program, which we talked about on this show before. If you say you heard me or Brandon on this show, we'll, uh, I'll give uh, Brandon a
0: referral for uh, you guys coming in and buying a car. Can you believe I bought my car from you almost a year ago? It's going to be a year in like two weeks. That's crazy. Yep. Time flies too fast.
1: <laughs> like you said, it's been it's been one year since I've been up here at Shimmer Mendota Ford and it just kind of feels like yesterday when I
0: started, you know? Yeah, definitely. Speaking of things going really fast, this football season in my eyes is flown by on all levels, high school, college, and the pros. Do you agree?
1: started and we're already in the second round of the playoffs for the high school teams and you know college and tomorrow's the first uh vcs uh bowl, right and then uh and then the nfl has already had a couple weeks of bye weeks so like i said it's it's moving right along
0: definitely you're in princeton you live in princeton been in princeton There's school there that good stuff. They're in the second round of the playoffs and have been a dominant team all year. I know the fanfare in Princeton has got to be crazy.
1: Yeah, Princeton has been a perennial powerhouse for the last few years. Um, they got a really good coaching staff, really good theater program. Um, guys work really hard. Uh, we got some tough games coming up, but once you get to the second round of the playoffs, they're all
0: tough games. So. And it's something to say about this team without Tyler Gibson, without Ronde Worlds, without that big offensive line they had last year. They just replenished, the juniors stepped up, and you still have just as dominant a team as you did with all those guys that were, you know, well known in the entire area. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean Tegan Davis has stepped in and
1: done a great job at quarterback. Uh, Christensen and Logan Glancy. Done a great job at the running back position. Wide receivers, uh, Bennett Stearns. He's done really good. And then they, I mean, they've had some younger guys step up and play really well too. Like I was watching the game Friday night, and that uh, poor kid. I think he's like a freshman, maybe a sophomore, and he had a pretty good game playing for them too. And uh, like I said, I don't. princeton going to keep keep replenishing every year. They their freshman team is really good. Their sophomores are good. They lose a player, and it seems like they get somebody else that just steps right in and does a great job.
0: And that's awesome to hear, because when I first came back out of college and started working at the local paper, Princeton was in an awful streak, I think in like a four or five year span. They won like two or three games, and then Justin Snyder comes in, changes it around, He leaves, Ryan Pearson comes in, never misses a beat. And now Princeton has been a top team in the area. And sometimes even the state, I feel like if there was a tournament last year, they were in the state championship game, if you ask me.
1: Would have beat them last year. Um, and like you said, this year, I mean, they have a shot at it too. I mean, they lost that that one game to Culani, where it was tied at halftime, and in the second half they just had a bunch of turnovers and and penalties and stuff, and just <laughs> gotcha,
0: gotcha. And what's really cool is it's not just Princeton football in the entire area. Uh, the Three Rivers Conference, Mississippi Division, had out of its seven teams, make the playoffs, and there's still Princeton, St. Eve, Newman, and Kiwani are all still alive. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a tough, tough conference. Um, you know, I talked to uh, uh, my office manager's son is a senior this year at Mendota, and, and Mendota just came back into that conference, you know, and... It's not as tough as the conference they used to be in with, you know, Byron and Stillman Valley and Rockford Lutheran and stuff, but, you know, she kind of thought, oh, this would be a pretty easy season for them, but, no, this is,
0: this is a tough conference, top to bottom. Yeah, there's no easy football, actually there's no easy sports in the Three Rivers Conference at all. I mean, Paul had a down year only winning one game, but usually they're a perennial powerhouse. Barrel Valley is usually a good team. They just missed the playoffs. Mendota, in like you just said, the Big Northern Conference, struggled for like the last five years. Hadn't made the playoffs since 2014. Things weren't easy for them. They lost some tough games to Princeton, Kiwani, and it is never easy in sports in this conference. No, and it's it's funny too because you know, like you
1: said, Kiwani beat Princeton pretty bad there in the second half. And then Newman beat
0: Kiwani after Princeton beat Newman forty-one and up. Yeah, Newman. I started off the season like one and three or two and three, something like that. And I'm like, this is not Newman. Then I seen him against Hall, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they're coming said
1: it was it was weird because you know like i said we talked about it and i went to the the newman princeton game and, and newman couldn't be nothing against princeton and we could do whatever we wanted against them and then like i said they will go out and beat kiwani
0: the parody in high school football is crazy but awesome at the same time because like you said anybody can beat anybody it seems like
1: That's the way in all sports, too. I mean, like, you know, kind of jump into the NFL a little bit.
0: You know, look at at what the Jets did yesterday. Oh, that was a shocker. (laughs) I'm in uh, two pick'em leagues, and I gave the Bengals my top confidence points in both of them, and the Jets made me very upset, but I was happy for them because they've had a couple awful years, but they're getting a couple victories against teams that they should not win against. In Tennessee, right? I think it was Indianapolis.
1: Indianapolis. I think it was one of those two teams.
0: Yeah, they beat Indianapolis, and then man, I still can't believe they beat the Bengals because the Bengals have been taking out top teams, and then they lose to the Jets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said. It's any given Sunday is a totally right phrase.
0: Have you seen any Chicago Bears games?
1: seen a little bit of the Bears games you know and I mean the Bears defense is really good I know they didn't play the greatest yesterday but starting a rookie quarterback and and you know that they're, they're, they're doing okay for the for the Bears I mean I think I think Justin Fields is gonna be good if, um if Matt, if Matt Nagy doesn't destroy him with his horrible play calling as
0: well that was why I brought it up Whose play calling do you think is worse, the Minnesota Vikings or the Chicago Bears? Because the Bears' play calling, for any Bears fan, will tell you it's the worst. Well,
1: I mean, I, I would say the Bears' play calling is the worst because they don't play calls for the strengths of their quarterback. You know, and and I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but I do a lot of coaching, and you can't coach. Different teams the same way. Like I coached my oldest daughter for a long time in indoor soccer in Decal, and and I knew how to coach her and her teammates. Well, now my other daughter Caitlin is a freshman this year, and this Sunday we start our first game, and um, and I've got coach these girls in a totally different way than I coach the, the other girls because I have to do different formations because we have different talent levels and, and different mentality on how they play and everything like that so and that's the one thing that like I said I don't think the Bears do a very good job of is playing to the strengths of their players the Vikings do a good job in the first half of calling the right plays but then they, like you said they just get so conservative and, and just you know I mean, Dalvin Cook's a hell of a running back, but you can't expect him to get a first down when you run the ball on eight to ten-man
0: guys in the box. Yeah, if there's a three and seven, I'm not going to look to go after Kirk Cousins. Dalvin Cook's going to get the ball almost every time.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like they're in the offensive huddle with them.
0: (laughs) Pretty much, and it's the same thing with the Bears. It has been... Uh, I can't say extremely frustrating because I kind of knew what was going to happen uh, after Andy Dalton, which I, you know, I never want anybody to get hurt and they get replaced and stuff like that. But Andy Dalton shouldn't have been the starting quarterback anyway. Justin Fields is a superior athlete, superior quarterback, come from a huge college team, Ohio State, was just in the NCAA tournament or NCAA championship game, played well. And then he comes to the NFL, and it's like, oh, we're going to set him behind these guys that are okay. Andy Dalton at a time was really good at Cincinnati Bengals, but that was quite a while ago. Now he's not. We saw him at the Dallas Cowboys last year, and he failed miserably. So why sit him behind him? So then he gets into the game when Andy Dalton gets hurt, and then now you're, like you said, almost sabotaging him, because AR offensive line is disastrous, and... You're not letting him run. You're not letting him make his plays. You're not letting him go free. So it's just kind of like, all right, when do we get rid of Maggie? Because it's probably about time. Oh, and I've,
1: like you said, I've said it for years. I mean, Maggie. I didn't think Trubisky was that bad of a quarterback. You know, I thought he was a solid quarterback, and they just didn't use him effectively. But, uh, you know, like you said, the Andy Dalton thing, I think that comes back from him being in Kansas City and what they did with Patrick Mahomes. They felt that they did the same thing with Trubisky. They went and signed Sanchez and Glennon uh, and then drafted Trubisky, and they're like, you know, we're not starting Trubisky, we're not starting Trubisky, and then they end up having to start him because the quarterbacks they went and got weren't any good either.
0: Mike Glennon was disastrously awful, <laughs> like the worst. the league i know i seen him in a team come in and and fill in for something it might have been a preseason game but i'm like man how is this dude still even in the league yeah it's amazing well ski i know you're almost home it's always awesome to talk to you on your ride home we can catch up a little bit get some info on Shimmer mendota ford catch up on some football talk you know i hope the bears beat your vikings but you know i still like you
1: and I hope the Vikings beat the Bears. So we can agree to disagree on that. <laughs> so. For um, sure. The, the only other thing I wanted to talk about too real quick was um, we talked a lot of football. Um, I just wanted to kind of say a quick congratulation out to uh, the Mendota boys soccer team. They had one heck of a season and that was a heartbreaking way for their season to end. But like I said, that was, that was an amazing season they put together
0: this year. Oh yeah, first ever sectional championship, it was definitely amazing to watch that team throughout the year, I went to a few matches, few games, Uh, Coach Nick Myers, he was actually on the team the very first time that Mendota tried to play for a sectional, lost in a final, then they played three years ago, and this was the third time and they made it happen, Third, third time was a charm. Yeah, I just,
1: like I said, I've coached a lot of soccer. And, um, you know, my daughter's team in four years, they had really good teams and they just couldn't seem to get past the regional. Well, then Princeton's team last year made it all the way to, I believe, like, the Elite Eight. Um, and I think
0: they're going to be just as good this year as they were last year. I was actually at that game. and was in Mendota. And, man, 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 they just... They were a great team. I I don't know what else to say except they were great. They played very hard, even though they ran into a really, really tough Joliet Catholic team, I believe. But they were amazing.
1: Yeah. And and then, you know, the thing about it is a lot of them girls on that team, I had coached because they had played up with my daughter and stuff. And then my other daughter, Caitlin, is a freshman this year, so some of them had played with her and stuff. So it was really nice to see you know a lot of these girls that are like daughters to me um have the success that they've had and um, you know i've got mariah hobson on my indoor team and maggie davis who are both going to play college soccer um you know both in the running for to be all state this year in soccer and um, really good really good young ladies that um are really helping with the development of the, the younger girls that are on the team
0: Definitely got to get some soccer talk in here and soccer is then you know when I was in high school really wasn't a thing I think that team that Nick me and Nick are in the same class at, at Mendota and I think like maybe 2001 or 2002 was the first year for Mendota soccer and you look at it then to now and soccer is huge Oh, yeah, same thing. I was on the very first
1: Princeton High School soccer team in 1996, well, that fall of 95, and it was co-ed when we played back then.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that either means one of two things. Either it means we're old, which could possibly be true, or that soccer's come a long way and just the areas kind of embraced it more than it had before. I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, I, I don't really want
1: to admit that I'm old, but I'm getting there. <laughs> same. Same. All right, buddy. Well, I just pulled in my driveway. It was great chatting with you again. And uh, like I said, come to Shimmer Mendota Ford for all your vehicle needs. Sales, parts, service, finance, whatever you need. We're here to help you.
0: Perfect. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right, buddy.
1: Have a good night.
0: Bye. As usual, on Twitter... See something, I'm like, uh I have to reach out. My guest today, Matt McDonald, coaching Blackhawk College Baseball. Matt, how's it going, my friend? Good, D. What's going on? Nothing much. I mean, I read the tweet, saw what you were doing, and I was excited. Uh, Yeah, pretty exciting
2: here, too. Ready to get started.
0: So how did this come about, and why did you decide to take the position?
2: been something that i've wanted to do for a long time and just never really had time with the kids and life going on and this kind of came out of nowhere kids are a little bit older now and it just felt like now or never type things so that's kind of where it came the coaches there coach cam and summer ball the last two years actually pitching coach just got hired back at his school where he had played as a full-time assistant so that's kind of how everything shook
0: shook out and um uh, Everything happened really fast, so. You're a pitching coach there, correct? Correct. Gotcha. And you say Cam, Cam McDonald, he's been on the show before, friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. He's going to be a junior or senior at University of Illinois?
2: He'll be a COVID junior. So senior academically and junior athletically.
0: Gotcha. And then you have a daughter, correct? Daughter Reese, who will be a senior at Hall this year. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. And you were coaching at Hall the last five years, six years? I think it
2: was, I think I started in 2015, would have been Cam's freshman year.
0: Okay, so you're leaving Hall? Leaving Hall, correct. Was it a tough decision to decide to leave Hall? I mean, Tom Keegan, you, Chief, uh, Sangston, it it had to be a tough decision to leave the group.
2: Honestly, when I got the call, Cam had called me and told me that uh, Adam was leaving. That's Adam Carey was the pitching previous guy. And he had called and said Adam's leaving. I thought he was talking about uh, U of I, Adam. So I was like, huh? And they said, no, Adam. And I was like, oh, really? Where's he going? Blah, blah, blah. And then he said, Josh would wants to know if he'd be willing to talk. And I was kind of like, uh. Yeah, I'll talk, you know, wasn't really thinking about it because it just usually gets squashed down. So I wasn't really thinking I'll talk and see how it goes. And then, you know, I talked to my wife and she was like, you need to do it. I was like, kind of like baffled. And then she said, you need to talk to your kid because you're going to miss some of his stuff. And when I talked to Cam, he's like, man, you got to go for it. Come on, man, you've been coaching. It's time for you to to go after it. So then I'm kind of, that's the, The day I had the conversation, so now I'm kind of like the next conversation was at work, obviously, to make sure that they put their blessing on it and they were good to go. And Mike Bima is my boss at Euclid, who coaches out out at uh, St. Bede. So he kind of understands that grind a little bit. He was really, really cool about it. So then it was pretty come full circle. My my opinion had changed dramatically, and I was ready to roll. But that's kind of how fast things went went down
0: it sounds like it was kind of like bang 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 like uh, let's talk yeah okay you're hired
2: yeah and i know like a while i think maybe when cam was maybe in fifth grade something had come up and it's just like there's just no way time-wise that i could do it and so and i was looking to do it then but then kind of like come to a realization that there's no way this is gonna work right now with where we are in life. And so that's why I kind of stopped thinking about it. Uh, I was pretty discontent on you know, staying at Hall. I love being with Tom and Chief. Awesome, awesome group to coach with. Got along really good. Kids at Hall were really buying in. Um, And obviously we've been extremely lucky with all the talent that's come through there the last five, six years. Actually, my one neighbor to my left and to my right play on our travel team with uh, Chance's brother, Mac. So I coached them in summer, so I've gotten tight to them. They'll all be juniors. So, yeah, it was really tough just for that simple fact of leaving them and not finishing them out because I feel kind of like, hey, man, I got them into this travel stuff, and like now you're going to leave and not finish it out. So, But I'm still going to coach their summer team, so I'm to- I'm not totally leaving them. So... I felt a little bit
0: better at ease with that. Gotcha. And when you say nah. Chance and Mac, you're talking about Chance and Mac Resetich, correct? Correct, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. It's always tough because it doesn't seem like there's always a great time to move or to, to take another job because you always have those kids that like you're recruited in or they're first year, second year, third year, that you've got them to play, you've been coaching them up. It's never always a good time. It's kind of tough any time that you decide to go
2: yeah i don't think that time's ever right if you're waiting for like the perfect time i don't think that exists i just think what you're gonna like what you miss or which you you just get attached from the relationships that you built and you know the trust that gets established between player and coach that you just worry that they don't feel like some sort of abandonment like that yeah and and that's not going to be the case i work with most of them doing lessons and And I'll continue to coach this summer, so that makes me feel way, way better about the situation of I'll still have some impact on helping them, you know,
0: reach the next level if that's what they're, you know, going after. No doubt. That's awesome. So let's talk about your baseball journey. You went to Princeton High School, graduated in 92? Correct, 92. Can you believe that? (laughs) I can. I mean, you don't look older at all. I mean, you do look, you still look athletic. Every time I see you, I was like, man, I feel like this dude could get on the mound right now. Yeah, I wish. (laughs) I (laughs) wish. And then you played, did you go triple A?
2: No, I got hurt uh, breaking camp to go to double A in 98. With the Dodgers, yeah, it was like right when my elbow started to go. So I rehabbed a little bit and uh, tried to come back, and then it was, yeah, I went in, actually. It went back to Dr. Job, and uh, my little claim to fame there was I was in the elevator because Gary Sheffield was a Dodger then. He had hurt his ankle, so Dr. Job had come back to make sure whatever he had to do with Gary Sheffield, and um, we were the only two... In the office or whatever so yeah that was kind of neat
0: so you were getting uh looked over with gary sheffield
2: yeah nice. and Job was the guy that invented the tommy john surgery so you know you hear you hear stories about it so i go in there and this guy's like you know i'm 20 whatever at that point young and i'm sure dr Job was like 60 he seemed like he was 90. And I was just like looking at him like, man, you're going to cut my elbow and like your hands are shaking. And like, yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. I was like, this is the guy. But yeah, he did awesome on my elbow and um, came back the next year. And I think I had thrown so long. I guess when they went in there, my arm was like black in the back, which means I had been thrown with a snapped ligament. And he, I just remember the comment he made was, how were you throwing? And my mom was working at the Mayo Clinic then in Arizona. She was sending me anti-inflammatories, and it was just enough to take the edge off. But my velo had went from like ninety four all the way down to like topping out at eighty two. And Charlie Huff was my pitching coach then, and he had said, "Hey, you have to fill out reports every night." And he's like, "Man, they're asking. You know, what do you want me to tell them?" He knew I was hurt, but he understood it. And uh, our plan was, I was just throwing screwballs, and he's like, "Hey, sooner or later, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go in and like take care of this." So went in, blah, 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 get the surgery, come back to spring train. My shoulders kind of messed up, just couldn't get that right, and just decided at that point to retire because so I got shot down again. Elbow was just about normal, and then the shoulder, I had impingement, so I think I had changed my mechanics um, accidentally, just a pitch around pain when I had the, first, when I had the elbow issue. And then um, kind of came back home, got married. Cam was born, like, immediately, pretty much really was kind of bitter for a little bit at baseball. They had a really tough time dealing with it, um, being hurt and like having to not be able to throw the baseball. And then um, Cam kind of got in the tee ball and like basically it was off and running from there, you know, kind of maybe needed some time to, just to get away from it and not be bitter. And once he started playing and had the passion, it was like, to me, almost more exciting to coach that than, than actual play. Although I wouldn't trade either one, but just a whole di- different uh, excitement and, and helping kids um, try to reach their potential or help them chase it, and then having you know some advice along the way to help them of, of all the ups and downs that they're going to go through, and you know, basically, I always tell Cam, you know, baseball's in my opinion, probably the hardest game, and it's you know, if you don't love it, you got no chance. It just gets too hard, especially if you're a hitter. I tell him all the time, it's. It's really about how many times you can get punched in the face and keep getting back up. Say, I want to get hit in the face again and pick yourself back up. That's in a nutshell. I think if you can do that and you love it, you just keep coming back for more because you can't get enough. But you have to have that mindset or this game will eat you alive. It just, gets too, it just gets way too hard mentally, you know, with the ups and downs, especially being a hitter. You know, you hit 300, you're a stud, and you're failing 70% of the time.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And if you go by game by game, I mean, one game, you can be, you know, four or four, a couple singles, a couple RBIs, the next game, you're like one of four with a home run. Like, it's so crazy how baseball works. And you have to be super tough and not get down on yourself. Otherwise, you're in a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that that's, it happens to too many kids. They get really hot, think they have it figured out, and then boom. You know, and it takes one game going 0 for 5 and having three punches, and all of a sudden now they think they can't hit, and it, like, changes their their mood, you know, the way they act. And That's, like, the talks you have to have with the players. You know, baseball players you're just a baseball player. That's what you do. It's not who you are. You know, and sometimes I think when they have bad games, they don't want to hang out with anybody. I know Cam's been like that. It's you got to let go after the games. Like the game is just the game. It's not who you are. When you have a good game, you're like the mayor kissing babies, shaking hands and all that. And when you have a bad game, you're locking yourself in your room and isolating from everybody. And I think, you know, not a lot of guys talk about that, but I think, a lot of guys treat the game like that, and that's why they're in and out so quick in this game. Just at the higher level, it's you—you you can't. You got to be even keel with it. And just if I'm 0 for 4, I suck today. It is what it is. Tomorrow's a new day, and just flush it. You know, you can't go 4 for 4 every day. I mean, if you flip on the TV, every pitcher now is 94 to 100. Like these balls are breaking like wiffle balls. It's—I honestly don't know how some of these guys hit. Like, some of the stuff is just insane right now.
0: Yeah, the pitching is ridiculous. Every single pitcher is throwing there's fire.
2: Names you, there's names you never heard of, and they're all
0: throwing 100. Everybody. Yeah. It's like, right after another. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's now like a pitching league. It's not about the batters and the home run. It's about who's going to get the most Ks, who's going to have the better ERA. Like, it's a pitcher's league right now.
2: Yeah. Extremely, extremely athletic right now in the big leagues. I I would say from an athletic strength and everything, I think this is maybe the best baseball that we've ever seen right now. From top to bottom, like athletes and whatnot, it's just some, some crazy athletic freaks right now in the game.
0: Talking about the best baseball we've seen, how about that Field of Dreams game, Sox, Yankees, wow.
2: That's probably one of the top three baseball games I've ever watched. And again, like I was saying earlier to you, I think I turned it on in the six. That was working. Wow. Just unbelievable. Chills, almost.
0: That Tim Anderson moment when he hits the home run, the walk-off, get the W. He's doing the throw cutoff sign. Like, oh, man, it was – I'll never forget that. It's like ingrained in my head. That dude is crazy. Yeah, that dude's a pimp. The pimp of baseball. I like it. The pimp of baseball. (laughs) Yeah, he's got
2: some crazy moxie going on, man. Good vibes with that guy.
0: Yeah, definitely. We were talking about this before I hit the record button. He is kind of those guys that you need. You need a guy that's got the, uh, you said mojo earlier. He's got the mojo. He's got that attitude, that confidence where, you know, if he's on your team, you love it. If you're playing against him, you hate it, and you think he's super cocky, but he plays the game well, he does what he's supposed to do, and he has fun doing it.
2: Yeah, he definitely has fun, and you can just, his body just bleeds energy. You can just see it. You know, when he comes up, you know, he's going to do something. He's going to make something happen.
0: Definitely, and that's that's the players that I like to watch. My favorite player growing up, even though Chicagoland area, I was always a Ken Griffey fan because of the same thing. He was always energetic. He was going to do something every time he came to the play or if you've seen him in the field.
2: Absolutely. I love Junior. What I noticed about him, he had fun playing, always smiling, and I think that's important, too, where a lot of guys get too focused and too driven and forget to have fun. You know, at the end of the day, it's a game. And you gotta have fun. That's the most important thing. You gotta have fun. But everybody knows you're still trying to win, and you know you're a competitive junkyard dog as you're doing it. The reason you probably started playing is because it was super fun. So you gotta maybe keep that perspective. And I know it gets really tough, and that's where some guys get lost, or or just kind of get weeded out. It stops becoming fun, and it starts becoming you know more like a job. And the higher you move up, it is more of a job because you're making a lot of money, and it's it's a business. But Griff, he was always smiling, and I think that was, you know, a big reason why he probably didn't feel pressure, even though I'm sure he did, but he seemed to to perform like there was no pressure when when the game was on the line.
0: Definitely. I totally agree with that. Let's, uh, I guess, rewind to, you know, coaching. You know, having fun is a key you don't want people to like get on themselves too bad, you know. Push themselves. You want them to do that. So there's got to be a happy medium. How is that for you, coaching at Hall, and how do you like try to take that into you know Blackhawk as the pitching coach?
2: Um, I just think first you got to get to know the kids and just like know about them, you know, outside of baseball and everything, like, and get in their head a little bit and find out what makes them go and and how they respond. A certain criticism and all that and then you know that's kind of like finding how to push their buttons. I think it's going to be a pretty easy transition as far as being on the same page just because they are trying to get to the next level so their competitive drive is going to be driven up definitely and their commitment's going to be up and you know if you're playing baseball past high school you definitely have passion so when all of those align I think it's easier to get on the same page much quicker you know and pull on that same rope um, I think the hardest thing to do or not the hardest but the thing that's going to take the most time is just building the relationships and earning the trust and once you, you know once you that gets established both ways and it's a two-way street then I think there's a lot of growth that can happen they'll teach me just as much as hopefully I'm going to be able to teach them and then it becomes a team effort to get them where they want to go, you know, and, and obviously the goal is to get them to peak whatever their peak level is, whether that happens at Black Hawk or, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen until, you know, five or six years down the line because that means they're still playing baseball and they're, you know, hopefully some of these guys go, guys go on and, and get a chance to play some
0: pro baseball. Definitely. And Hall had a crazy group of talent Obviously, Cam McDonald being a part of that. You had Cam going to University of Illinois. Tyra Rebarchik is now at University of Illinois after a stop with Parkland. Brant Vandeman was at Kent State, and now he is at, was at Parkland. Now he is at, where do you go after Parkland? He's
2: at University of Illinois Springfield, which is a really good program. He will
0: pair it up there. Then Chancellor Sedich went to Blackhawk, and then you got Trasrabarchik going to South or Southern Western Illinois. Is it Southwest or Southern Illinois?
2: Southwestern Illinois Community College. Him right. and Bullock are going there,
0: and then Jack, Savage and Peyton Klemer coming to Blackhawk. College players all throughout Hall baseball. That's got to be a good feeling for you and the coaches, knowing you know the kind of talent that you had and have, and being able to push them to the next level.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. It's definitely had some really good buy-in, but on the other side, you know, all that credit goes to those players. They're the ones that put the work in, and, you know, I just helped them, you know, like kind of go in the right direction with their passions, you know. Like I said, since I've got in there to 2015, we've been blessed with a lot of good baseball players. It just seemed like when... That 2018 group was little, and we took them, I think we started traveling with them, like, at 7, and I remember a lot of backlash on that. But Mike D., D'Angelo, Jimmy D'Angelo's dad was coaching, and, like, we could just see that, you know, how competitive those guys are, the ones we're talking about. And then we just kept going with it, and it's kind of, like, it just kind of created a little vibe around here for the kids following to do it and then obviously the success they had in high school was awesome and that like kind of just really drove the culture you're kind of getting the residue effects from that right now so hopefully you know that keeps going and make another run there at hall which i'm sure they will there's some talent there we'll be a little bit young next year but they'll be good and competitive looking forward to seeing that i'm gonna miss that for sure but no awesome stuff and you know these kids have put the time and the effort in and, and you know that's what it takes you know just it's not easy and kudos to them for you know sacrificing a lot and having the discipline
0: to chase it definitely and that you dropped another name that i don't know how i could ever forget jimmy d'angelo he's been on the podcast before too so many games. Jimmy, jimmy ballgame yeah he's a player he goes hard every single second that he's on the field yeah i love jimmy jimmy's a great kid
2: so he's at quick too. I think Chance led the, I don't know, junior college or rubber, but he led the country in doubles last year. He had like 37 doubles. <laughs> he was kind of the kid that I always felt like got overlooked and could really freaking play. And nobody really knew how good that kid was. So I'm shouting out to Chance right now because he, <laughs> I'm giving it to him. He was a dude. He could play anywhere on the field. His instincts are off the charts. And he was a gamer and tough as nails. Kind of, if I would describe him as one big league player, he reminds me of Nails.
0: Lenny Dykstra. Oh, nice. That's, that's a huge shout out right there. Yeah,
2: he, he deserves
0: it. He kind of got short end of the stick. Unfortunately, looking at that team, like, somebody had to, right? I mean, there were so yeah. many great players off that team, and we just named how many of them went to college ball, like six, seven players off of that team playing college baseball. I mean, there was going to be somebody, unfortunately, that you didn't put in that same category with everybody else, even though they're just as good of a player. Right. That was probably the
2: biggest challenge of coaching that team was, shit, we knew there was talent. It was more just, you know, managing the egos, you know, getting on the same page. Hey, one goal, you know, state tournament. So don't let anything else get in the way and getting hurt, you know, like not pushing them too much because those guys were hitting all the time after practice. So we didn't really have to, hey, stay up, make sure we're healthy and, you know, you older guys come on, lead these younger guys and, you know, leave this program. You know, our big thing was leave this program way better than when you walked into it. And make it keep going up. And I don't know if you've been to our postseason games. It's pretty awesome when those kids come back and they're all by the dugout and you know really wanting the younger, the younger ones now to like carry that torch. It means something to them. So that's pretty awesome that they they all come back and they're they're still rooting for. You know, it's you're in college. You know, you kind of forget about high school for a while, but it's pretty neat that they they buy into that
0: stuff into that culture but they're the ones that created it so yeah definitely i actually called this past postseason so the regional semi against hersher and then the regional final against marquette i was calling it for uh WLPO. i was actually the color guy and i'm down there getting the water i turn around there's james Montino. i turn around i go the other way there's Tyra Barchik, then I see Cam McDonald then I see everybody Brandt Vandeman, they were all right there I was like, man, this is like 2018 all over again, it was great
2: Yeah, and I, you got James Montino on that team, I mean just a freaky, freaky like Deion Sanders type athlete on the baseball team like, yeah, that team was just crazy just absolutely crazy, crazy crazy athletic fast just a, basically a dream team, you know. That's a team that
0: comes around not very often. Yeah, because every we keep talking, and then like every two minutes we keep dropping another name yeah, keep, that we haven't said. I don't want to leave anybody out. You know, Braden
2: debates was great, and right field he was only a sophomore. Trez was a freshman, and he could move all over the field. wasn't scared of it. had the mojo. Like he came up huge defensively. It's really well for us, freshman. You know, he ate a lot of them Saturday, Friday games to rest. The other guys, yeah, I mean, I go on and on about. Sean Reardon was awesome at third base. Great I was, defender. I was just uh, going uh, to bring Leboniac, up Schu- you know, pinch hit. I don't feel he could fly on the bases. He had juice off, you know. Like, just we had almost like a small college team where we had guys that we could bring off the bench at a small school like to pinch hit. and. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, like when you have options like that, because you usually, usually we have 10 players. You know, it is, we got to get it done with these 10. That team was very unique. And then we had the the guys that were freshmen that year too, were just probably physically just not ready quite yet, you know, with all the guys playing college now off that team. Would have been normally up on a regular year, but we had just – just had a lot of abundance of talent on that 18 team. So it kind of, they're not going to play every day and be better than the guy that's, that's put his time into the program. You know, so you got to be careful with that because then you lose guys and
0: then that becomes an issue and then your, your chemistry is not going to be very good. We could obviously talk baseball all day. You're a talker. I'm a talker. Love sports. However, got to go to a Sox game. So let's play a game real quick. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat podcast plays a game. Let's do top five pitchers. You're a pitcher, coach pitchers. Now you're a pitching coach at Blackhawk. Again, congratulations on the new gig. I'm very excited for you. Let's play the game. Top five pitchers. You can go one to five, five to one, however you want to go. Let's do it. Uh, five, I'm going to go Pedro
2: Martinez. Four, I'm going to go Greg Maddox. Three, Nolan Ryan. Two, Rivera, and
0: number one, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, the bird pitcher himself, throwing balls. That's the guy I would not want to face. No, that dude was nasty. Yeah, and they could
2: probably be in any order. I would say the only one that I would say I'm real for sure would be Randy Johnson would be my one. And the other one could be all interchangeable. Two through five. But those are my favorites. Roger Clemens is in there. Gotta like Doc
0: Good and you gotta throw those names out. Definitely. And Rivera, what's Rivera's first name just for non baseball? Mariano. Oh, yeah. Mariano Rivera was a massive monster as well. <laughs> like fake numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're playing a video game with these pitchers. It, that you just yeah, it, was, it really was. It was crazy. Like and you knew a pitch was too. coming every time, you still couldn't hit it. Yeah, you knew what he was gonna throw. You always knew what he was gonna throw. It didn't matter, you couldn't touch it.
2: He was a cool cat, too. Humble, quiet, didn't brag, but was like the silent assassin out there.
0: Yeah. He
2: was, Loved his demeanor. Loved his demeanor. It's awesome.
0: Just definitely awesome.
2: And then you got Pedro, man. Pedro was like Tim Anderson to me. Yeah. On the mound, though. He had that vibe,
0: man. Just He was going to talk and he was going to let you know about it, but he was going to back it up. Yeah, I love Pedro. He's in my top five for sure. Pedro's the, the man. He had about a four-year gap where he was the best pitcher by far. By far. Yeah, he nobody, had was, everything. nobody was touching him. Like, you, you couldn't hit anything that he was pitching, and if you were another pitcher, you weren't even close to his level. Yeah. No. He had, like, all three pitches were the best in baseball. They were nasty. And like you said, he let you know it, too. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Matt McDonald... Former coach at Hall, now moving on to Blackhawk as the pitching coach. Thank you very much for joining us. Like I said a few times, I'm excited for you. You definitely deserve what you're doing. You're great baseball. Coaching kids, like they react to you. They listen to you. I mean, that's what you got to have for a coach, especially at that level. Now take it to college. So thank you for joining us, talking about that experience, and always love having you on Edge of Your Seat Podcast.
2: Thanks, be it. Appreciate
0: it. Have fun at that Sox game.